welcome to what shall we say to these things i'm mj and i'm tj and this is your low-key ghetto bible study what we're going to be doing this episode is we're going to be looking at the first chapter of esther that's what we said we were going to do last time and we're just going to go through and talk about what stood out to us um, what we thought was interesting and then we want to look at what lessons we can learn about god and about our lives um, from this chapter we're going to start with a quick summary by group verse groupings but before we do that we want you to pause the video for a second pray and then we'll get into it okay so i've grouped the verses based on what i thought shared theme relevance and that stuff so i started with the grouping of verses one to four and basically we have this king of persia who has a massive kingdom. We, we're told that he has 127 provinces, large, large terrain to rule over. And in his third year of his reign, he decides that he is going to show off his wealth. And he throws an event for 100... The vision I, the vision I looked at said 130 days. 180 days, sorry. And so I was like, okay, 180 days. We're going to estimate that we have 30 days in a month. We divide 180 by 30 days, and he was basically partying or showing off his wealth for six months. Like, mm. for six months, half of a year. He has been reigning for three years, <laughs> and in the, like, the f- half of his fourth year was spent showing off his wealth, right? Um, and we get an idea of who he invited. It says his nobles, the officials, the military officers. So he brought the who's who Mm-hmm. of his kingdom in to show off his wealth. Um, in my head, while I was reading that, what I'm thinking is this is a really bad idea. That's That that was the only thing I was thinking. Um, the fact that you have all the important people of your empire in one place um, for six months. I, I, I want to believe that they were not all there at the same time because that's that's... A seating and a housing capacity oh, sh- challenge. I would hope so. Because you would probably have like leaders from 127 different places. Yeah, but it just like it reminded me of that scene in um Daniel where Belteshazzar is um partying and then the Medes and Persians show up. To me that would be the perfect opportunity for somebody to take over his empire. And it to me that like him coming from the line of of Persian and um Persian rulers, to me this would be a mistake. He shouldn't make. But clearly, it didn't have any repercussions, so he was safe. But it seemed like a bad move for especially a new king. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. He's only been ruling for three years. So okay. So verses five to nine, we figure out, find out that after he has done this six month long parade of his wealth and all that he owns, he proceeds to have a party that is a week long. And while the six-month event was reserved for the who's who's, the top boys, the big boys, this seven this week-long event was open to everybody. Like, from the greatest to the least, every man could come. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, I want to read the description. Right? I'm reading from the NLT version, and I'm reading... Phase six. 
It says the courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement, I can't pronounce that word, of marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. I... What, what, what's standing out to me is that the floor. <laughs> Those costly stones are on the floor. That, that, like, that tells you something <laughs> about what kind of... And I've, I've, I thought I told you something about the palace, but I'm wondering if this is how it was decorated, just if it was just for the party. I, get, this that, is... I get that impression. I, this, I think it's specified because it lasted for seven days and it was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated. Wow. That, yeah. This is, like, the epitome of opulence and just... Um, Extravagance. Well, yeah, yeah. And and it's clearly just for sure. In my mind, it, what, came to, what came to my mind was this surpasses luxury. Yeah, yeah. It's not the, about comfort. It's about... Um, it's about show. Yeah. And I, th- I think we realized that from the prior chapters. The prior verses, sorry. That from the beginning of this chapter, he is about showing off his wealth mm-hmm. and what he owns. And I think that was the purpose of the entire, the entire soiree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one of the things, before we move on to the next set of verses, is that they point out that drinks were being sold, served in gold goblets and we get the impression that there were many different designs of gold goblets so it's possible that no two people had the The same same gold goblet and one of the things that was like tickled my fancy is that the fact that he gave an instruction that they were to serve everybody as much wine or drink as they wanted it was a free-for-all like you want to drink one glass? Fine. If you want to drink a billion glasses, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're going to save you. That was that was fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're moving on to this. This is the, this last section of the chapter. We're looking at verses 10 to 21. So Xerxes has shown off all his riches, and now he's been drinking for seven days, and he decides, you know what is the most beautiful thing I have? My wife. <laughs> My wife. So let me go get her. Well, let me go get her. Let me send some people to get her so I can show her off too. And the wife says, nah, fam, Mm-mm. I'm not coming. I'm not doing it. And I think, I don't think there's any version in the Bible that outright says it. But I get the impression that he would have wanted not to just show off her face, but he was intending to show off her body as well. Yeah. Um, he wanted her to come out in the crown and I guess the entire attire that he would have wanted her to come out in would have been somewhat revealing. And she was like, no. And I, I gen- I'm thinking about it. Like, let's, let's put this into context. We've had men drinking for seven days straight oh. as much as they wanted, right? And you asking this woman to come out and parade before them. It's just, no. It's no. I I don't blame sis at all. I don't. Like, I agree with her. Like, the average woman, like, of today does not want to necessarily be in the company of one drunk man or half a drunk man. So, an entire palace courtyard filled with drunk men who have been drinking for seven days. That's not 
Okay. But this is when things, this gets the ball rolling because he must have told people, I'm bringing my wife out. I'm bringing my wife out. And when she says no, he gets upset. And I think I want to to believe that this upset came largely from embarrassment. embarrassment. Yeah. It's his ego that's been um, bruised yes. more than his wife telling him no. Yeah. It's just that his wife told him no in front of the, the entire... Um, all um, the men. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that makes it worse. It's in front of all the men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he decides, I'm going to get the opinion of my wise men. <laughs> wise. <laughs> yeah. Um, And their response is that if the king's wife gets away with telling him no. And our wives and all the other wives in mm-hmm. all of the kingdom hear this, they are going to f- figure out that, okay, if the queen could tell the king no, then who are you for me to listen <laughs> to? Like, I will tell you no too. And they were like, we can't have that. We can't have that. So one, you need to get rid of her. And two, you need to make a statement saying that the husbands are the head of the home and that wives need to listen to what they say. Now, for me, this has a couple of points that I was fascinated by. I think I think it's interesting that he may have processed that, one, I'm drunk, two, I'm upset. Let me not make this decision on my own. Let me call in oh. the guys I trust to give me advice. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's always a bad idea. One, to make decisions when you're drunk. Two, to make decisions when you're upset. When you have the combinations. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right? So I think... That may have been some wisdom on his part to call in the advice of other people. I think he might have just chosen the wrong people. Um, and so these guys tell him, no, you need to get rid of her because if there is no repercussion or no consequence to, for her actions or for her decision to say, tell you no, then every other woman... There's going to be chaos and anarchy. Yeah, every other woman is going to be able to think for herself. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> disobey her husband and we can't have that we can't have that um and that that is in in summary Esther chapter one is there anything else mj that you think stood out to you for you um i wrote some notes (laughs) and one of them is like kings plus parties is a bad idea (laughs) because um i think it brought to mind um herod's party where um Herodias, I think is her name, dances, and then as a result, John the Baptist gets mm-hmm. beheaded, right? Then you have Belteshazzar's party, and the kingdom of Babylon gets destroyed and taken over by Medes and Persia. And you have Xerxes' party, and Vashti gets deposed as queen. To me, you you pair a king and a party with drinking, and something bad happens. And that's that's what stood out to me. I thought that was I thought that was funny. And also the fact that however many years ago, um, <laughs> men were concerned that their wives would be disobedient and, and, defiant. and defiant and would want to ensure that there was a law that prevented them from doing that. I thought that was funny that so many years ago when we thought, um, well, maybe what's more interesting is that that's still a fair Today, yeah, that's still a, a common fear today. Yeah. So I thought those, those, those are what stood out to me. I, I found some humor in that as well. Yeah, and I think, I think for me, particularly at the end, 
that the, the advice the wise men gave him, it it I mean maybe I should add this later when I'm talking about what applies to my life. But I think it was interesting that their advice to him had very little to do with what he was feeling in the moment. They did not deal with his anger. They didn't deal with his embarrassment. It was more focused on the implications for them, how it would affect them and their marriages, and that the advice they gave was more suited to their best interests. They were looking out for themselves. And I don't think that anything, any of the advice they gave him actually addressed the challenge he was having in that moment. And I think when we get into chapter two, we continue to look at that. I think it, it continues in chapter two. So that was what, that was an interesting point. But I think, I think that's everything that stood out to us from, you know, looking through the chapter. But we also said we wanted to take a look at um, what this chapter could possibly tell us about God and who he is and also what it could tell us about our lives. I found it particularly difficult to, to, find like what could how is this chapter about god like we 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 talking about a persian king um so who, gets drunk. who gets drunk and um gets rid of his his wife and like where where what can we learn about god from that where is god in this where is god right and what i feel like what we can learn about god well what i thought we could learn about god is it takes into context the entire story um, of what we know is going to happen. And the fact that we see these people making decisions, we see Vashti deciding um, she's not going down um, that brave decision. We see um, Zixi's deciding to meet with his men and their final decision of creating the law. And these seem like such isolated events. They seem like um, decisions that individuals made independently. And while that is probably true, I don't see um, God influencing those decisions mm-hmm. necessarily. But God was able to um, use those decisions and to, the outcome and their outcome mm-hmm. to orchestrate His plan. And I think that's amazing and incredible um, because had Vashti gone, um, there's very possible Xerxes would not have found any fault with her to get rid of her. Had Xerxes not met with those men, and had they not come to their, their selfish, decision, selfish decision, um, it's possible that Vashti wouldn't have um, been deposed. So all of these independent decisions, um, still, God was able to use it to, um, to put into motion His plan. And in the end, save His people. And well, are we jumping ahead of that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's incredible. Definitely. And so now we're looking at what does this tell you about how we should live our lives? Like, what are some what are some personal takeaways? What are some thing, points for transformation and change in our lives? You have anything, MJ? Um, well, the word that stood out to me was integrity, and I think that's something that Vashti showed. Um, yes, it's the king. Yes, it's her husband. Um, but she understood her value. She understood um, that what he was asking her to do was demeaning, and um, he had spent time showing off his wealth. and And I'm sure that must have felt um, she must she could have easily felt cheap um, 
as just one more thing for him to show off. Not necessarily cheap, but like, like a possession. Like, right, right, yeah. Because his wealth he was showing off, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, but yeah. And so it would have taken bravery, it would have taken courage to um, stand up for herself. And I think that is something that, and not just as Christians, but especially as young women, is important. Um, I think that we need to understand our value. I think we need to um, demand the respect that that comes with who we are as God's children, as queens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what stood out to me. My message for myself. Yeah, I think I think I followed that same line. Um, for me, in some tellings of the story of Esther, it seems like people want to portray. Vashti as a villain. Mm, um, okay. She's the disobedient wife. Um, she's the woman that the king had to punish and banish. But I think we, in this particular chapter, in this particular um, part of the story, she's the person that we should learn from. Not the drunk king, <laughs> not his wise men who were giving bad advice. Well, not necessarily bad advice, but selfish advice. Um, but she, like you said, was brave and she was bold and she held on to her, her integrity. And I think she made this decision fully aware that there would have been consequences. consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think she must have been aware that this is a proud man who has been showing off his wealth. My response may possibly embarrass and I anger him. There will be repercussions. But she went into that and continued to make the decision fully aware of that. And I think sometimes we shy away from doing the right things because we are aware that there may be a negative outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think that is my challenge to myself now and maybe what I need to work on as we move forward in doing what I believe to be the right thing, what I think God is telling me is the right thing, no matter the difficult outcome, no matter if I'm aware of negative consequences things that I think may put me at a, at a disadvantage. Somebody going to banish me <laughs> or something like that, you know? But I think that is that was my personal takeaway from this story, from this part of the podcast. So Vashti's integrity is something we could um, apply to our lives. Um, but one thing, another thing we could learn about um, how, how we should live is we could learn a lesson of what not to do from from Xerxes. Um, you see him entrust um, his marriage, <laughs> essentially, to these wise men, his his advisors, his second in command, um, and you see them give him advice that is not necessarily in his best interest, but in theirs. And so I think that's something we could pay attention to. We, when we're getting advice, you know, on significant um, things like our relationships and our spiritual lives and our um, our future, we need to pay attention to people. Yeah, who we ask and what what could be their motives, what could be their intention in the advice they give us. Yeah, that's something. Um, well, I guess. What's what's important is asking advice from people you know who have your best interests, mm-hmm. and that makes things simple. Because you, you just said that, and it, it triggered a thought for me that 
these guys told him, banish your wife, and then went home to their own wives. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, that's 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 a thing. We need to be careful who we ask. We ask advice. Who we seek advice from, and we need to be careful who we take advice from. Because sometimes we get advice from people we didn't even ask. <laughs> advice. So, yeah. yeah, that that's another thing to take into consideration. So I think that's all we we got from chapter one. Um, essentially, uh, God can use any situation, anybody, to um, fulfill His plan and His purpose, and that um, we. Uh, it's our goal to live with integrity despite the consequences and we need to be careful um, who we take advice from. Definitely. Okay, so chapter two, we want to look at chapter two next week and we want to look at verse one to verse 20. That's the portion of chapter two we're looking at for next week. And again, we want to read it, ask God to speak directly to you and we want to make note of the things that stand out to us from the chapter. And then we want to look at what does it tell us about God, who he is, how he works. And then we want to look for what can we apply to our own lives? What does the passage tell us about how the way we should live? So this has been What Shall We Say to These Things? And we'll see, well, not see you <laughs> next time.